Welcome back everyone to our high five where we're going to highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating Aaliyah and how God is moving in her life. This past Sunday, she was baptized at our Brandon, Vermont outpost, and it was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Aaliyah. This high five goes out to you today. Up at number four, Tanzan attended our Manchester outpost this past Sunday and found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do and be baptized. Tanzan claims the truth that her identity is in Christ, and we're all celebrating that with her today. High five, Tanzan. Here at number three, groups are past the halfway mark of their 10-week journey through Rooted. They've spent time connecting with each other's stories, studying the character of God, and most recently, serving together. High five to everyone in Rooted right now. We're praying for you. In at number two, this past Saturday, over 300 people gathered at our Bedford Outpost for their fall festival. They enjoyed a chili cook-off, obstacle courses, and even pony rides. High five, Bedford, to sharing God's love with your community. And finally, up at number one, throughout this summer, our outpost in Rutland, Vermont has underwent renovations, which means people gathered for worship services outside. But because of big, bold prayers and a lot of hard work, I'm excited to share that our Rutland Outpost opened its doors to the community this past Sunday. It was an amazing time of worship. Huge high fives go out to every helping hand and thank you to everyone for their faithful giving. We are praying for one and making ways for one to experience God's love. If you're in the Rutland, Vermont area, come visit One Church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Thanks for joining us again for our high five, and we can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. That's awesome to see what God does in his church, isn't it? Isn't that the people giving their lives to him and the way that he moves? Um, we're wrapping up a series called Personal Appearances. And we're looking at the story of Saul, the story of Paul. And can you know that there, there is no one that is too far gone? No one. And maybe you feel like that's you today. Like, like I have to acknowledge, like, like maybe you feel like, oh man, you, you've gone too far. You've misstepped too much. There is no one. There's absolutely no one that, that, that God can't do something in their lives. We're, we're, we're wrapping up a series called Personal Appearances. And it's, it's these moments when people appear, that Jesus appears to people uh, after his resurrection. Um, and so it's this wonderful moment of like, like it looked like all hope was lost and we sometimes feel like, sometimes it feels like ho- all hope is lost and yet Jesus shows up. He shows up and he shows us who he is and, and that his power is sufficient even when it looks like everything is, is going dark. And so our memory verse comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we're going to read it together. Uh, maybe you were able to memorize it, maybe not. It's a little bit of a long one, uh, but we're going to say it together. Will you all say it with me? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6 says this, after that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Jesus appearing. Jesus showing up. Jesus showing up in these moments when when things look dark. And maybe that's what you need to hear today is that Jesus can show up. Jesus can show up when it looks like everything's falling apart. Jesus can show up when it looks like all hope is gone. Jesus can show up at any moment, at any time, and show us that, that he is sufficient, that he is enough. You think about it in terms of our sin, the, the, the wonder of the cross is that Jesus meets us in our, our guilt and our shame, and he took it upon himself. 
you think about like this great thing of death, not, not a great thing, but I mean is the great, the great trouble of death. And how Jesus is raised to life again, and what scripture will say is with Jesus raised to life again is our hope. And so, so we do not mourn like the rest of men because it is not the great end all. It is not the great end of, of life that Jesus has conquered the grave and we too with him shall conquer the grave. And so, 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 so we can in a lot of ways live fearlessly in our world. Um, and what I love about Jesus is that he can save anyone. Jesus can save anyone. There's no one that he can't save. And so we've been looking at these different personal appearances of Jesus. We come on to the life of a man named Saul. And Saul, man, Saul was a guy who was probably the last person on earth. And, and I think maybe we underappreciate it if you know anybody, any bit of Paul's, Saul's story. He's also called Paul. He'll later, his name will be um, Paul as well. So I might say Saul or Paul. But it looked like, man, if there is any guy who is the last person on earth, it is this guy. It was this guy. He was the last person on earth that you would ever think would become a follower of Jesus. The last person on earth. And so I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you, like, like right now, in your mind, in your relationships, whether it's at your high school, whether it's at, whether it's at your work, whether it's your boss or your coworkers, whether it's someone in your extended family, like, think of the last person on earth that you would ever think would ever say, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. Man, I'm going to give my life to him. Do you have that person in your mind? We probably don't need a whole lot of time to think about who, who might come to our mind. And it, who would be the last person on earth? And so I'm going to ask one of you to do something. Um, just one of you, shout out like the first name, just the first name of that person. Someone name that, that first name. And if a name came to your head, who is that person, the last person on earth? Mike. I heard Mike. I heard something over here, Derek, but I heard Mike. And say your name as well. Mike. No, your name as well. Uh, Jamie. Jamie. So Mike, the last person on earth. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to get caught in just preaching a message and saying, oh, God, I hope you can speak through this. I know you can. I hope I don't mess it up. Um, and so it's easy to maybe get through a service. I mean, I hope this guy doesn't go too long. Um, but the reality is we have a God who acts and moves in the moment. That he's a God who's alive and at work in people's lives even right now. And so Mike, Mike is a real human being somewhere right now. And maybe he's in bed, maybe he's not. But God loves him. And the person that you're thinking, the person that comes to your mind, like, he loves him or her. And so we're going to pray for Mike and we're going to pray for Jamie and we're going to, we're, we're going to ask God to, to move in Mike's life. Do you believe that God can move in Mike's life? Like, like, like there's something about our faith that says, God, God, I'm not going to give up hope. I'm not going to give up hope because sometimes we give up hope. We say, oh, too far gone. Or we say, ah, oh, you know, I don't think that person could ever. And, and so we're going to lift up Mike right now. And so we all pray with me. Pray, we're going to pray together for Mike. Lord, I pray for Mike right now. Lord, hardly any of us know his story. Almost all of us don't know his story, but you know his story, Lord. You know what has brought him to today, to this very day. Lord, you know where he stands or where he sits or where he lays at this very moment. And Lord, we as your church believe far beyond us and our words. And, and we, we believe, Lord, that you can do something in Mike's life. And so, Lord, we lift Mike before you right now. And Lord, for Jamie, for whatever way that you have put him in her life, however you want to use her, Lord, may you make her uh, uh, able and willing to, to whatever calling that you've called for Mike in his life. But Lord, we pray that you move, that, 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 that in the midst of our doubt, that in the midst of our struggle, Lord, that, that Lord, you can do something in Mike's life. And so we, we lift him before you now. In your name we pray. Amen.
I don't know who your last person on earth is. But I know we all have them. Or we are them. We feel like, oh man, I can't see it. I can't see it in their lives. Or you say, I can't see it in, in my life. The, 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 the struggle and the mistakes and the failures. But, but here's what we can learn from what God has done in the lives of people, particularly in the life of a guy named Saul, is that Jesus can save anyone. Jesus can save anyone. So don't ever write people off. So in the book of Acts, the church is moving. In the book of Acts, the people of God is moving. In the book of Acts, like the spirit of the living God is moving. God had made this promise that one day he would dwell inside his people through the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, God breathes his spirit into his people. What that all means, I don't know what all that means. All I know is that, that it is something that they long for and it's something that God promised that now he would move and work in us and through us. And so the spirit is moving among God's people. And they're loving one another and they're caring for one another and they're selling things to take care of each other's needs. And it says that no needs were among them. And that's a lot to think about. And it says that God added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And it says about 3,000 people were added to this little, this little group of Jesus followers. All of a sudden, big things are happening. But, but scene two, or, or in a whole other place, there's other stuff going on. Every good story has this antagonist. And in another town, there's this guy named Saul who is seeking to be a devout follower of God. But at the same time, I, sometimes I always think in story form. I can't, I, I don't know. But it, and this, it, it, I, he's kind of the villain in the story. He's kind of the, the last guy on earth. You know, you know, villains, you know, like the big villains of stories. Darth Vader, the Joker. And you got a favorite villain. I don't know if you're supposed to have favorite villains. I think I kind of do. But you got, you got favorite villains or, or Lord Voldemort, him who should not be named or whatever. Like the, the, great, the great villains. When I hear the story of the early church. Ah, man. I mean, it's weird to say. And maybe it's wrong. It probably is wrong of me to say that. that but he's at least the chief antagonist of the early church. Because there's this guy named Saul. Who loves his religion. There's this guy named Saul who has done a lot to rise in his religious world. In fact, he's become so, so religious that, that um, he calls himself, he's part of a group called themselves the Pharisees, which actually just means the set-apart ones. We're the set-apart ones. We're, we're the ones who love God so much that, that we are going to do everything possible to, to distinguish ourselves from everybody else. And not only was Saul, not only was he like a, a one who was set apart, but man, this guy, this guy was a freight train. This guy was a freight train for, for what he believed was God's will. And so, so he is going after it. And so he sees this little group, this little sect who, who's coming out of Judaism, who are, who are following a guy named Jesus and, and Jesus and they're claiming that he is the Messiah that he is the chosen one and, and everything Saul is seeing is no he's not no he's not and so the only thing he can do in his passion is to, to go after this church to go after these followers of Jesus these little Christs and he's got he's to rid the world of them because, because they're causing problems to his faith and, and so he's, he's certainly misguided he's certainly disrect, dis, dis, uh, misdirected but man he is passionate and zealous and so meanwhile, as all the church is flourishing over here and all of these amazing things happening, there's this guy named Saul, the last person on earth that you would ever think God would do something with, and God starts to move in his life. Jesus can save anyone. And so here's the story. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to go to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he had found anyone who belonged to the way, that's what they, that's what they called the Jesus followers in that day, which is kind of awesome. Jesus had said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. And so those who followed Jesus, those who started to follow him, started to call themselves the way. They're walking in the way. They're walking with the way. And so, so he's asking permission to go after these, these followers of Jesus. Um, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether it was a man or a woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Now Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, for three days, he was blind and he did not eat. He did not drink anything. God's going to use a guy named Saul. God's going to use a guy named Saul. The one who is directly opposing his people. And God's going to meet Saul where he's at. and He's going to meet him in it. And he's going to say, I, I can use you. And I thought about that. Saul, if you read some of Acts, you'll see some of the, the first martyrs of the church, those who were being killed for following Jesus. The first one was Stephen. And Stephen is stoned because he's following Jesus and he's not holding back. And it says the, 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 the people grab stones and they started to stone Stephen. And, and then it goes on to say this interesting thing. And, and, and all the people's coats were laid at the feet of Saul, who was giving approval to all that was happening. This is who we're talking about. This is, this is the last of the last. This is the, the last person on earth. And I know we maybe can't appreciate it because we've, we've kind of heard the story of Saul. But this is the last person you would ever expect, Mike. Or the person that's in your mind. The last person. And here's what struck me about, about this meanwhile side. So the church is flourishing, but meanwhile Saul is breathing out murderous threats against the church and about the way. And he's asking for... This guy's ambitious, right? He's like, hey, I don't have anything to do in my free time. Let's go after some of those Christians. And so he gets letters and so he goes and he starts to go after them. And I was thinking about that word meanwhile. While Saul was still... Breathing out murderous threats. Have you ever come to the lie in religion that says, in order to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to have it all together? In order to be a follower of Jesus, like, you've got to get your life in order? It seems like when you look at the life of Saul, man... He's going completely the wrong direction, and that's where God meets him. God meets him not when everything's fixed. How Christian do you have to be to be a Christian? Like, how Christian do you have to be before you can become a Christian? How, how much of your life has to be in order before, before Jesus can show up and say, hey, I can do something with this, life, with this life? Because that's what we do to people sometimes. It's like, until they can figure out their stuff, until they can get rid of that addiction, until they can, if they, until they can stop saying those words and grow in those places or, or doing those things, until then they can't really know Jesus. And what I know about Jesus, it says, no, no, Jesus will meet you on the road. Jesus will meet you while you are walking to the very wrong place. Jesus will meet you while you you are rebelling against him while you are doing the worst thing against him. He will meet you right there. Meanwhile, while Saul was still breathing out murderous threats, Jesus met him there. Jesus will meet you in your mistakes. Jesus will meet you in your 
Ah, don't you love that about Jesus? Because sometimes we're just waiting around until our lives get all together. And if it's me, I'm going to be waiting forever. But Jesus can save anyone at any time. Jesus can save Mike at this very moment. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. And all of a sudden he sees this vision. I don't know, I, I don't know what this was all about. I read of what it could have been. It just says, whatever it was, Jesus appeared to him and he was knocked to the ground. And you know what I thought? Like, we've all thought about this moment. Maybe, maybe we all haven't, but I, I have thought about I think a lot of people have thought about this moment. Like, like, if Jesus were to meet you in your mess, if Jesus were to meet you while you were making the mistakes, if Jesus were to meet you in the middle of your failure, is like, you're not on your way to Damascus, but you're on your way to somewhere you shouldn't be. And that, that Jesus will meet you there. And, and, and all of a sudden, you have this feeling of, of dead to rights, dead in your tracks. Saul falls to the ground. He's like, oh boy, I am in trouble because the one that I have so been passionately personal Executing, like he's here right with me. And, and so I'm on the ground like I, I have nothing to say. Like I see it. I recognize it. Man, I was completely wrong. And yet, have you ever heard people, um, have you ever heard people say that they can't come to church? And why do they say they can't come to church? Is that they're going to get hit by lightning. How many times, raise your, hand, raise your hands with me. How many of you have heard someone say, if they came, if they walked into a church building, they're going to get hit by lightning. Well, if you got the last guy on earth, the guy who's been persecuting the people of Jesus, who Jesus attributes, attributes persecuting his people is like persecuting him. And so if, if he is going to, now Paul blinded by the light, knocked on the ground, but... Jesus says two words. He says more than two words, but there's two words that hit me this week. He's got, he's got Saul on the ground. And Saul, man, he has a conversion because he's staring at Jesus, the one who's been, he's been persecuting. But what Jesus says to him is, get up. And I thought about that invitation of Jesus to get up. I thought of in my own life where I felt like, oh, no, I don't deserve to get up anymore. Have you ever felt that? Like, I, I, I deserve to be on the ground. I deserve to be knocked down. Like, I, I have made some mistakes. I have gone the red, wrong direction. I knew the right thing to do, and I didn't do it. And, and, and God saw me in that, and the only place I belong is on the ground. And yet Jesus keeps saying, get up. And maybe, maybe that's for you today. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're on the ground, and... You think the wrath of God is coming at you when really the grace of God is coming at you that says, get up. I'm not done with you. I think he would say that to you right now. Get up. I think what God would would say to your friend that you're you're praying for, or God would say to Mike, like, yeah, sure, you've gone the wrong direction, but get up. I can save anyone. Jesus can save anyone. And I think the more we believe that as the church, we, we stop writing people off and we, stop, we don't stop praying for people. And we say, God, God use, you, use me in that. Because here's the, here's the second side of it, is that Jesus can save anyone, but Jesus will send someone. At, at least the way that you read scripture, that I read scripture, and my guess is if you've read scripture, the way you, what you'll start to see is God, God moves through people. He can move through his spirit. He certainly does, but it's usually his spirit through people. It's through people that, that God, like God makes an impact on the world. Jesus is do, always doing this. He'll, he'll say things like he says, guys, I want you to pray about this. He'll tell his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
And so what do you do when there's a plentiful harvest outside these walls, but the workers are few? He says, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send workers out into the harvest field. But then Jesus goes on and says this. He says, now I want you to go. The next thing he says is he sends, them, he sends out his disciples. Sometimes we're the answers to the prayers that we're praying. Sometimes we're saying, God, I pray that you might do something in Mike's life. And God's like, yes, <laughs> yes. And now I'm going to send you. That's not too much weight for you, Jamie. I, that, 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 like, that could feel oppressive. I don't mean for it to be oppressive. It's just sometimes God has put those people in our minds and in our hearts. And we might be the only people that he's put. Like, He might want to use us. Jesus will send someone. And we're like, well, I don't like awkward situations. I don't like to feel weird about it. So there's this other guy. It's almost as though the scene changes again. Flourishing church. Meanwhile, Saul breathing out murderous threats, knocked to the ground, seeing visions of Jesus. Third scene is like, there's this guy named Ananias that's praying. Ananias is never mentioned again in scripture, by the way, which I think is intriguing. He's only mentioned for this one little part, which has a huge impact in the kingdom. And he's only really mentioned once in scripture. So he's a guy who's praying. And this is what happens as he's praying. It says, in Damascus, where Paul was going, by the way, in Damascus. Isn't isn't God awesome how he works? So in Damascus, where Paul was going to to take care of the church, where Saul was going to, to take them out, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. That's always our response, right? Yes, Lord. Like, it's great to hear from you, Lord. That's, that's wonderful. Um, the Lord told him, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and I want you to ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Now, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Well, this is all getting weird. He's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Isn't this strange? Isn't it strange how clear, like, Ananias' thing is? Ananias, yes, Lord. I want you to do something. There's a guy named Saul in Tarsus. Yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> look, at his, look at the next word. I don't know how you do it, uh, but I'm going, to say, I'm going to say it as like a, a, a question. I know there's a comma there, but Lord? Um, Lord? Lord, Ananias answered, there's been some reports. We've heard some things about this guy that you're sending us to, sending me to. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here. He's come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. <laughs> are you, are you, Lord, let me fill in the gaps for you. Like, this is the last guy on earth I should be going to, is what Ananias says. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went. Some of the best moments of biblical characters that you will see. I I, I heard that little phrase where I'm like, this sounds so familiar to me. Where is it in scripture where someone is told to go and then the next phrase is so they left? In Genesis chapter 12, God will call a man named Abraham. Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your people. I want you to leave everything you know. And I want you to go to a land that I'm going to tell you about. And I don't know how I would respond to that, but the next words are, so Abram left. 
Isn't it funny that God's often calling us into the ridiculous? Isn't it funny that God will send someone and, and, and sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be me. And we always are like, we're always on this, 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 this pivot between will I go forward into what God's calling me to or will I shrink back when God's calling me to? So Ananias, you know, you know, I also thought we were talking about this in the preaching. <laughs> what if Ananias wasn't the first guy? What if he was like seventh on the list? <laughs> what if the first six? had said like, no, no way are we going, God. And now you hit the Ananias. We're close to the top of the alphabet if God was going in alphabetical order. Um, and now you're at Ananias, and Ananias is like, God, this doesn't make a lot of sense. But I'll go, okay, that was enough ad-libbing. Um, then Ananias went to the house, and he entered it, and placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you, you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after looking, taking some food, he regained his strength and Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. What a weird story. Here is this guy named Ananias called into the ridiculous, called to say, okay, God, God says I want to do something in this guy's life, the last person on earth, and I'm going to choose you, Ananias, to do it. And we can bring our doubts, and we can bring our questions, but the question is, when God says go, will we go? And so here's a question for the church. God will send someone. That someone is, is usually, usually I think when God brings it to our mind, I'm going to say, okay, it's probably us. And here's the question, will you go to difficult people? It really is a question for the church. Will you, are you willing to go to difficult people? The difficult people that you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, are you willing to step into dan- dangerous situations? And, and, and because I'm, cause, cause, cause Ananias is like, man, this could get me into some, this could, he's, he's coming to kill people. He's coming to take men and women out of their houses and, and, and maybe put in jail, but some of them are getting killed. And yet, and I, I, I know, I recognize it that, that Jesus will call us to be as, as, Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And so we have to be careful about the dangerous situations that we come, come into. And yet, I don't know. It seems like the early disciples, they stepped into a lot of risk. Almost all of them killed for their faith because of their faith, because they were willing to step into dangerous situations. And sometimes we're just afraid to cross the street. Sometimes we're just afraid of little awkwardness, a little weird conversation. Sometimes we're afraid of like sending the email or the letter or, or the text of saying, hey, I've been thinking about you. Or I've been praying for you. By the way, you're the last person. No, don't ever tell them they're the last person on earth they ever thought. But like, like we, we, we have this. Am I willing to trust God's plan? Like, God, you really want to use them? God, you really can, can do something in their life? God, you really can, can bring transformation? Are you willing to bless the people that other people might be cursing? Those words are said with grace. The Ananias shows up and Saul has been praying and he's blind. Paul's been blind for three days. I think we overlook that. He's been blind for three days and Ananias says to him these words. Because what would you say? He, what would you say to the guy that's been going against your people is now caught and blinded? You're like, praise God, you did something about this guy. And yet instead he says, brother Saul, that's the grace of Jesus flowing through us. It's this invitation that you can be a part of the family that I'm in, that, that we're in together. Jesus will send someone. Jesus will send someone in the, the person in our mind or at our school or at our job or in our family or extended family that is the last person on earth 
God might want to be using us to make an impact on them. Because here's the reality is that I think this is an accurate statement. Jesus likes to surprise everyone. Like, okay. All the boxes that we put God in, he's like the the chief box breaker. How do you make a nation? Let's get an old man and his barren wife. That's how you do it. Like, how, how do you defeat a giant? Let's get a little shepherd boy who's delivering cheese. That's how you do it. How do you take down walls of a city? Let's bring our little trumpets out, walk around it seven times, and eventually something's going to happen. How, 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 do you, how, how do you bring forth the savior of the world? Let's find a prostitute in the wall who's delivering some spies, and eventually she's going to give birth to, to the grandfather of David, or the father of, father, one of them, grandfather, grandfather of David, who eventually from David is going to become the king of all the universe. That's how you're going to do it. You see, he's the God of... Who, who are you? you going to pick as the people who are going to go forth with your message to change the world? Fisherman and tax collector, those people don't like. All of these people are going to go, us! He's going to pick us! Jesus likes to keep on surprising us. And so why do I keep being surprised by Jesus? Like why, why do I think that Jesus can't show up in this person's life? Why do I think that God can't do something in Mike's life or do something through Jamie in Mike's life? Like why do we, why do we write him off that he can't break through in some way or another? And so this is what it goes on to say. At once he began to preach in all the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. This is Saul, by the way. He's now, he's now the chief apologist for, for, for Jesus. And all those who heard him, they were astonished. And they asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by pro- proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days they had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him away by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. It gets dangerous as well. You know what? I love story. And I think, what does my opinion matter? But I, one thing that's always drawn me back to Scripture is the way this story weaves constantly and gets deeper and deeper the more you weave it. Because what I realized as I was thinking through this message is Saul made it to Damascus. Saul made it to the place where he was going. But what's interesting, it's only a God thing. Like, he has a completely different purpose. He has a totally opposite, different purpose. Because Jesus has made him into a different person. Because now in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come and all of a sudden is a new purpose. It's the same destination. It's it's a different purpose because he's now a different person. And so you're probably going to go to a destination. You'll go home today. But I know in Jesus we can go home with a different purpose. We can go home with a different purpose. Like like sometimes it can be about me or sometimes it can be about you, but we can go home with a different purpose for our marriage or for our homes or for our kids because we leave as different people because Jesus has made us different people. You're going to work tomorrow. Same destination. 
You can go to the same place. Same, same place you've probably been going for who knows how long. You can go to the same destination, but now you've said, no, 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 I have a different purpose because Jesus wants to do something in the lives of these people that I see every day that maybe used to drive me nuts, but now I no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view because Jesus wants to do something in their lives and now he's shown me that I'm a different person because I now have a different perspective. Jesus can save anyone. Jesus will send someone and Jesus likes to surprise everyone. I want to live a life that keeps being wonderfully surprised by Jesus. To watch Jesus transform a life that I think can't be done. To watch Jesus fix a a marriage that I think can't be fixed. To watch Jesus fix a relationship with kids or extended family that we think can't fix. Because he's always a God of surprises. Jesus... I think surprised his disciples, ironically, because it's ironic that they were surprised because he keeps telling them over and over and over again. But at, at his, the Last Supper, he says, guys, I'm going away. I'm going to be killed. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. You're the king of the world. Like, we're, we're supposed to take on the Romans. And like, no, I'm going to die for you. But my death is important because I will take my sin. I'll take your sin upon me so that you can walk guilt and shame free into my father's purpose and plan. And so he says, this is my body given for you. Whenever you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so we take to our king. He took the cup and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Whenever you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to know that I can save anyone. I want you to know that I will send someone. And I want you to know that I like to to be a God of surprises. I like to break your box and I like to surprise you. And so, God, I pray that you might surprise us today. We take to our king. Would you all stand with me? I don't know what moment you're at. I'm going to guess we're somewhere on the spectrum. Maybe you're here today and you're in your get up moment. You've been knocked down. The world's got the best of you or life has got the best of you or your stupidity has got the best of you. I'm sorry. Um, And God is saying, get up. If there's a way that we can be praying for you as the church, Alex will be down here on the front and I'll be over here. And if we can pray for you in that, we will. If if there's a going that God has called you to, if there's someone that, that God is sending you, like wanting you to go to, and you just want some other people to pray with you in that, again, Alex and I will be here. If today's the day that you're willing to step into the ridiculousness that God might be calling you into, that you're willing to say, okay, God, I've been on the wrong journey for a while and I was walking in it, but, but I thank you for meeting me here and I thank you for opening my eyes and now I... I I want to be baptized into you. I want to give my life to you so that I can follow. Uh, we're going to have, there's going to be water over here. And if today's the day you would like to be baptized into Jesus, don't hesitate. And seize, seize the moment that he's given us. Will you all pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a saving God. And I thank you that you so love us, that you sent your son to us. Lord, I thank you that you meet us in our mistakes and you meet us in our messes. And you call us to get up. But Father, let us not be a people who get up. Let us be a people who go to other people who have fallen down, to other people who are struggling. And help us to extend the hand and say, brother or sister. And invite them into the grace that we now stand in. Father, I pray for some surprises this week. 
Lord, I pray that you might surprise us today, tomorrow. May we never put you in a box. It's your name we pray. Amen.
us from the inside out. The old self is gone. We are a new creation in Christ, changed to bring change.